This is Multi-New Media for the week of March 30, 2015. Please stand by for an introduction monologue from Chase Raz. He and Chris Ayers will be revisiting the topic of net neutrality from Episode 2 and discussing the newest strategy being utilized by anti-neutrality organizations that are against a free and open Internet. Hey everybody, I'm Chase Raz, and this is episode 6 of Multi New Media for the week of March 30th, 2015. I'll be joined by Chris Ayers in just a moment, but we are in an interesting predicament. Industry-wise, we're all cumulatively in a position where we have to go back and talk about episode 2 again. Now, episode 2 was all about net neutrality and the most recent onslaught against neutrality from corporate powers. So, just four tiny episodes later, we are already seeing the stage being set for the next round of battle between multimedia conglomerates entrenched in the business of the past and uh, multimedia innovators of the future. Now, these few weeks later, some of the organizations involved are already starting to tip their hats at the type of rhetoric that they're going to be using going forward. We're not likely to see any immediate results of this newest anti-net neutrality campaign uh, that's being waged by large content creators, but it is important enough to at least discuss and make sure that everyone out there, all of our listeners, are aware of the type of tactics that will be used in the future. This is essentially boiling down into a war, a slow, long, drawn-out war fought over a decade. A war between people who create and share information on one side, and maybe even do so through companies or corporations, but on the other side of this war, we have people who utilize their corporate structures in order to limit content accessibility, in order to bolster the bottom line of their own creative properties. Now, they are the established companies hoping to rest on their laurels of name recognition. Now, beyond that... They're the dual-faced organizations that are quick to pretend to be pro-neutrality and then turn right around and throw millions and millions of dollars into opposition. So let's get Chris Ayers, the multi-new media technical co-host on the line, and talk about what this newest development in the net neutrality war really means. How does it impact us? We're not likely to see any outcome in the immediate future, but we definitely should understand what the implications are. So, let's go into news mode. Give me just a moment, and I will be back with Chris Ayers. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. With me today is Chris Ayers. Chris, how are you doing today? Good. How are you doing, Chase? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. It's been a long day. What about you? Yeah, it's been a long day. I, uh got some work stuff going on next week so it's been a, a long week a uh, long week here too and you had a you had a birthday this week so happy belated birthday thank you yeah so um i wanted to have you back on today and uh just go back over a topic that we've uh, sort of already talked about a little bit but not too much uh net neutrality and one of the questions we asked when we talked about net neutrality last was will this ever go away and you know we've we've actually been sitting on this topic for a while because 
No, it didn't go away. And in fact, the next week after that conversation, the companies started uh, asking for not fast lanes, which are expressively prohibited now, but what they call metered lanes. Have you been uh, uh, paying attention to this, Honey? A little bit. Um, not too heavily, but I mean, of course, companies that were against net neutrality would have a backup plan. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to admit I wasn't following it all until now. Otherwise, I, I probably would have mentioned it. But but HBO, Showtime, Sony, uh, all of these uh, those companies there and a, and a few others want metered lanes. So, Chris, would you describe for me and for uh, our audience, what, what exactly is a metered lane? I guess the simplest explanation, going back to the, the, the fast lane and the highway type of example, is uh, a metered lane would be like an HOV lane. It, it wouldn't even be on the same highway. It would be something completely separate that you know, it, it might not be metered, it, so they might not be charged per megabyte. It might just be unlimited data. It would be like its own separate data channels, um, so completely separate. And our traffic would not mingle with their traffic. So you know, it, they would have they would have dedicated data for their services, and nobody else's data would go would commingle with it. Oh, so so we have that already. We have managed lanes already, but typically for what VoIP communications. Uh, right. so, so your so, phone. You know, I used to work at a company where um, one of the things I helped to do was manage some of the phone lines and servers. And the way older phone systems work is, I don't know if you remember the ISDN lines. Oh, yeah. ISDN okay. lines. I remember those. So, like with a company, you can buy internet pretty much in multiples of phone lines or multiples of ISDN lines. Each ISDN line can carry so much data. So you would, uh, you know, you'd get like a full... Uh, a full block or like a half block, a quarter block, and, and and you would have you know that many phone lines pretty much dedicated to your data, you know. So in a bundle of twenty four lines, you might have eight of them, and those eight would just carry your data, and nobody else's. But in the same building, somebody else might have the other sixteen, and then somebody else might have eight more. But those twenty four, you would have eight. Someone else would have eight. Someone else would have sixteen, and that was yours whatever the max theoretical rate that that could transmit data that was all yours nobody else i love that model i wish we would move to that model as consumers well <laughs> yeah so that's why like personally i have fios uh but fios and cable modems you know cable modems and fios is from to, uh, verizon for those who from may not verizon, know verizon i used to have bright house or comcast with cable modems like the thing with cable modems is usually a whole net, a whole neighborhood is all on the same kind of network right. and then leading out of your network it, or out of your neighborhood is this big uplink so if one or two people are using all the data in your neighborhood everyone else kind of suffers um, competing with that is the DSL stuff which is kind of over phone lines and you're guaranteed a certain amount of data depending upon how close you are to the 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 phone switches or you know how, how close you are to the switching station essentially. So uh, I think DSL is good out to like a mile or so. So the closer you are to it, usually a little bit faster you get, but on the most part, DSL is much slower than cable modems. And, and fiber, so uh, Verizon and Fios is like the DSL model, right? The further you are away from the hub, the... the well, the... DSL is a fiber, you know, there's fiber that runs right to your house and goes into a little box. But I mean, and, and it goes right back 
I think, to their... Because we're not talking 1990s DSL, are we? Well, I was originally. <laughs> oh, but, but Fiber runs on the same model? I didn't know that. Well, I don't think so. I think it'll... Um, I, I do know that uh, degradation of performance does happen with Fiber the further you are from the... Um, from the well, yeah, they have to have repeaters every so often, but it's usually fiber optics usually is much longer distances. And I don't think you see that same degradation as you do in phone lines. Okay. But the thing was, phone lines are kind of like that business model where you have, hey, here's my channel, it's going to take my data. I always felt like cable modems were, hey, it's for the whole, you know, this whole area or this whole neighborhood or this whole section of town is all pretty much on the same big pipe and we're all just kind of hooked in and someone can, you so, know. So on so, the internet, we're the neighborhood of cable subscribers right. and right. what these companies like HBO and Showtime and Sony yeah. want to do is create a dedicated lane where their bandwidth is not impacted. It's guaranteed. Okay. And no one else, you know, they're going to pay for, you know, I'm going to pay for this, this pipe between here and wherever. And that it's only going to carry their data. Nobody else's, you know, kind of like that, those reserved channels or that guaranteed bandwidth. So that I, makes I, I that makes sense when I've we're talking about been out voice of the service. Network engineering game for for quite a few years, so you know everything might not be a hundred percent exact, but for the most part, that's the general gist of it. So if it, it, you and I are in a call on Skype right now, um, if our call drops, whatever it's the internet, right? We live with it, but but I don't want my home line that I get through my cable company. I don't want it to drop if I'm in a nine one one call. So there's a protocol and, and there are things called quality of service so it, most businesses implement them a lot of routers implement it um, and a lot of ISPs implement it so quality of service pretty much says like this service over here might be more important than that service over there so if you have a VoIP phone or you, your business has VoIP phones throughout the you know the offices and you want to make a VoIP call, you don't want the call to drop when someone's downloading the latest version of Firefox. So your phone call is more important than your download. Your download right. can slow down a little bit. It'll take a little longer. Who cares? But you don't want popping, dropping, um, you know, stuttering, or the phone call to drop. So quality of service prioritizes some things over the others. Uh, a lot of people in their home networks you know, download movies, watch Netflix, maybe they do uh, BitTorrent, you know, who knows. But um, if you're doing a lot of downloading at home while you're trying to watch a movie or while you're trying to do Skype, those things will suffer. So quality of service will say, hey, I want to prioritize, you know, maybe my web browsing over just normal downloading, or I want to prioritize Skype calls over web browsing. It makes and, a lot of sense, but it sounds pretty sketchy still. So I, well, I think that is just something that we implement on our own. That is just based on a service level. Uh, I think that these managed lanes are, are something completely separate. I think the concern was before that there was going to be this big highway and they were going to kind of push everybody over into from four lanes down to three lanes and say, hey, you guys all get over. You just, just scooch in. Who cares if it gets backed up? Just scoot over. We need to make some room because this one car from Netflix is coming down the line and they're paying. Right. That's I, – I think they're trying to get around it a different way by saying, hey, we're going to build some new HOV lanes down the median. 
So you can have your four lanes. That's great. We're probably not going to upgrade them that much in the future. But hey, we got this new HOV lane. And if you want to get on it, you can pay more. So 10 people watching uh, HBO now, let's say they cut cut cable and they're only paying their cable or phone provider for Internet. Yeah. And they buy HBO now or subscribe to HBO now. You know, 88 houses in my small neighborhood, and let's say half of them watch that and Netflix, and both are both are a managed service. I bet at 6 p.m. your internet at home starts to suffer. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, does you know does my internet performance degrade now because net if Netflix and HBO and Showtime pay more for a managed lane as opposed to a fast lane? Does my does I my, it, am I crammed into that three or two or one lanes now? See, this is why I don't understand what's going to happen with the ISPs on the back end. I don't think the FCC does either, to be quite honest so, with you. So there's a couple of things going on. So Netflix, if if 40 people are watching Netflix, for instance, I know that one of the things Netflix does is they send boxes out to ISPs. And, they will and send cable a companies, huge box yes. with like 600 terabytes of storage, and it will be like a a mini cached copy of all of Netflix. Right. So that it doesn't have to send their data all across the whole internet. But <laughs> And and by the way, um, Netflix has paid cable yeah, companies they paid them to do that. Yeah. Like, here, hold so, this box for us. We'll so here, we're there. we're improving your performance and we're paying you to do it. Right. So here's the thing though. If 40 people are watching Game of Thrones, you know, on their HBO now, or, or they're watching um, off a movie of, on, off of one on HBO Netflix. subscription, right? <laughs> right, or or on HBO or on Netflix or HBO or whatever. That they can't, you know, they'll they'll have to send out forty different streams of that movie, right? Because no one's going to be at the exact same point at the same time. You know, one of the things that was in, invented for uh, video broadcasts is something called multicast or even UDP where you can send one stream to many, many places. Well, that's not going to work when, you know, 40 people are watching a movie at different spots. So it's going to send out 40 different streams possibly. So everybody, it doesn't matter if, if HBO is paying this fast lane thing, it's probably from some central HBO server to your local ISP and they don't care about from your ISP to your house. Ah. So, one, so know, it's saving it's them fast. It's saving them traffic, but it may not necessarily result in performance increase on my right. Uh, it's, it might be a fast lane from the HBO servers to your local Comcast or whatever office, but from there, forty or fifty people are watching, you know, twenty different episodes at different points in time. So it's going to send out forty streams. So unless there's an increase in bandwidth from the local office to your house to your neighborhood or from your local you know it might not you might not see any improvement and i'll tell you the fcc is very concerned about that same thing and and what i want to do now is let's let's run through some of the pros and cons of having managed lanes um or, or not so the pro of managed lanes and the con of managed lanes what, what would you throw out there first what's the what's the biggest perk of saying, okay, net neutrality, we, we temporarily have won that war, we're getting more regulation, uh, or at least we're on the path for that. So what would a pro be of saying, yeah, fine, let's let's allow these managed lanes? Well, I think it depends upon who you are. Okay. If you are popular and, you know, so an ISP might charge you, like I know with web hosting, for instance, let me back up. So with web hosting, I want to go host a website. Um, if I go to a host, a lot of times I have to pay you know, X amount of dollars for, you know, 
10 gigs, you know, people can download 10 gigs from my account or 10 gigs from my website. Right. Does, yeah, if you're on this it, much money, if you're on shared or virtual hosting, you're going to sure. have a monthly cap typically. And then when you move to right. dedicated, you'll get the actual thoroughput or a portion of the thoroughput of so, bandwidth. When I'm popular and people download my website or they watch my stuff, I have to pay the more popular I am. Mm -hmm. So if I entered into a contract and go, hey, I am HBO and I'm going to have huge amount of traffic and I don't feel like paying millions of dollars for, you know, 30 million, you know, 30 terabytes. Um, I'm just going to enter in a contract with you and, you know, you're going to give me good bandwidth and you're not, just not going to cap it. You're not going to count it. You know, you might not bill me for however much it is because I'm going to pay you this flat fee every year, every month. It might come out ahead because, you know, they're not holding the bandwidth against you. You know, I, I don't know if it's too much of a tangent, but my mind gets boggled when we talk about this stuff because the entirety of the Internet is based on this bandwidth, this, this uh, thoroughput, uh, or excuse me, this throughput. And it's 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 not like, you know, it's not like you have X number of bananas that come off the tree every month. It's you have a pipe and, and, and X amount of water can flow through it at any given second. So it's always kind of bugged me that we say, well, you have this amount of data per some period of time. I, and I get it for shared hosting, virtual hosting, any type of small thing where you're sharing resources uh, and, and very inexpensive, you know, 100 to $200 a year at most. That, that I can understand. But when we get into anything serious, um, well, it's never made sense to do anything but metered to me in my mind. Uh, but that's well, just see, me, maybe. Well, that, that's like when you're hosting servers. Like I said, when I worked at one of my previous jobs and, you know, we had bandwidth through a company. When you went the old style, which was, you, you know, you had those ISDN kind of lines and it went through some sort of multiplexer. And so you had like eight channels or you had 16 channels. You paid for how many channels you wanted. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that was how much bandwidth you got. You know, if it was like a 64K channel and you had eight of them, you know, that, that's how much data you had. Mm -hmm. um, you know, nowadays, you can just plug in an Ethernet cable. And that's where the bandwidth caps and the limitations come from a lot of times because, you know, all this ties into fiber and other stuff. So it's uh, a discrepancy between the different systems? I think it... It definitely, I think, changed. Oh, okay. But um, so I, I would say that could be a pro, though, if you're a big company and you sign a contract that you're guaranteed. What's what's you know, the con lane? for the company? I mean, isn't there the con of if I'm a company and and I'm not Sony <laughs> and I want to start a small IPTV service, or you know, if yep. I'm a regional cable competitor who's looking to um, go beyond regional, well, I can't compete with these cable companies and, and well, satellite not companies. Not on latency, like it's going to load instant and it's going to stream super fast every time, no buffering. Like, do you see anyone being able to grow a company out of, I mean, even if the next thing was bigger than YouTube and it like started coming out and started growing and it had all these amazing features and was awesome, but it lagged. And this this seems like produced content, though. YouTube, would YouTube or Facebook, let, let's just hit there, would the social media properties, right, would the new media properties, are they even viable for this? Or are we talking traditional produced content? I'm HBO, I'm Showtime, I'm ABC, I'm whoever. 
Well, it could be that they're doing it to try to compete with the new media because new media, I mean. But all they're doing then is saying, all right, here's this cable model, and it worked for us for a very long time. You won't let us turn the internet into cable, so here we're going to have anything audiovisual that's pre-produced. We're going to emulate cable through a managed service, which is typically reserved for things that have a security um, safety yeah. or, you know, again, phone, you need to be, you need to make sure your 911 or whatever your emergency code is, wherever you live, uh, depending on the country you're in, you need to make sure that works. I don't need, okay, you and I can argue this, right? I don't need HBO to work as much as I feel like I need HBO to work. And as mad as I'm going to get, if See, it doesn't work, HBO it won't kill is me. going a different way. I bet HBO is going Sure, you can try to watch Netflix or you can try to watch YouTube and your video buffers and hiccups and all that, but you can pay a little bit more. But then Netflix pays more and now we we're have a HBO. fast line. We've been here 20 years. We've been on the TV. We're a known name and we're going to have reliable, dependable service because we're, we're, you know, we're, we're taking steps and paying extra to do something different. <laughs> so, you know, you know, from that point, they're emulating a fast lane. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so uh, from the consumer side, I, I think we have a big con from the consumer side because one of the conversations that keeps getting brought up is data metering. And uh, Chris, you were telling me uh, before we started recording today, you were telling me about something, the Comcast Time Warner potential merger, that $45 billion merger that you've been aware of since February that I have been just in la-la land and clueless and you were having to fill me in about this. I don't know how I didn't know about that or why I'm not paying attention to it. I well, guess I mean, let's I'm see. too Comcast focused on is... new media, so fill us fill us in on that. What what the hell's going on there? Well, just a little bit, but I mean, Comcast is one of the worst rated companies. I think they've had so many. That's what I hear. Media issues lately with with terrible um, customer service. They were one of the ones that originally fought some of the FCC and net neutrality stuff. Yeah, the uh, yeah Comcast. Oh, we love net neutrality. We're for it, and then let's go fight it. Right. Uh, I think, was it something like 30, like a third of all TV customers in the U.S. have either Comcast or Time Warner? Oh, those poor people. <laughs> so a third of people in the United States. Um, why is this merger? Why were you telling me about this merger? Uh, well, let's explain to everyone why it's relevant. Comcast, just like when you get a cell phone plan and you're like, I want four gigs of data a month or I want. Six gigs or and, ten gigs. And like and I said, a, that bugs me so much. Yeah, I hate that. <laughs> See, our dogs hate it too. Hey, that, that, uh, good, good. We all hate it. Well, Comcast has been testing limits in your home internet. Um, now, I, I, I remember before, like years ago, with with um, like either Mediacom or, or um, uh, Bright House – if you used like 100 or 200 gigs in a month, you would get a notice. I would know, be and, getting a notice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and now what Comcast is trying to do is, you know, you, you they, I think they had a 250 gigabyte cap, which it's extreme. It's a lot. Um, but I don't, if you take back I don't and, know. and take a step back and think about it, if you're watching Netflix for a couple hours every night, you're streaming possibly 1080p video. Right. Uh, for hours a I mean, night. 250 or you gigs these days just doesn't seem like that much. Get on an Xbox One or a PS4. You want to download a game off the store? Eh, 50 gigs. Yeah. Not a problem. So, so one, one download that takes, you know, probably, what, 10 minutes maybe, depending on your connection speed, and you've mm -hmm. burnt through 
of your or, allotment. Yeah, you get on Steam, uh, Steam Origin, any of the online game sites where you can download games for your PC or consoles. Um, they'll burn through that data. Online play, patches, watching TV, watching movies, um, going on iTunes, downloading albums. That's not a lot, but... Um, you know, it all adds up. What does Comcast, I don't know if you know the answer to this. I certainly don't. What What does Comcast want out of metering or capping <laughs> or putting a threshold or whatever the hell they're calling it? What do they want out of this other than just, we want more money. Thank you very much, capitalist America. Okay. Is, um, is that it? Business. Is it just money? Is it, It's a business. Is there a responsibility to you? Well, no, no, yeah. no, no unless you are a shareholder, unless I'm a shareholder, but uh, you their know, the responsibility is not to you. Their responsibility is to make money and the customers are who give them that money. And if you alienate your customers, you're going to lose that money. I mean, are they just squeeze them a little harder and get a few more in because you're the only one in the area and squeeze them a little harder and you, you're going to make more money. I guess that's why they're testing the cap. How hard well, can we squeeze? Right. And, um, some article I read. Uh, had shown that if this Comcast and Time Warner merger go through, uh, there's a potential to, uh, well, I mean, that w okay, the 30% was for TV. Right. They have 40 to 50%, I think, together of all internet people. And I, I don't know the numbers on that, but I, I do think, uh, I'll correct this in show notes if I'm wrong, but I do think they're the number one and number two in the United States. Yeah, and if they implement data caps for all of their customers, something like would have to be wrong board. with the FCC to approve that. Well, they approve it for cell phones. It, it went through with cell phones. Well, no, data caps. No, 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 not the data caps. I mean, for Comcast and Time Warner to merge, because I mean, even the AT and T and T Mobile merger on the mobile side couldn't really survive. Yeah, I, I hope the it pressure. I, I just, I this seems absolutely ludicrous that these two companies even think that the FCC is going to allow it. Yeah, but yeah, the problem is if if now there's data caps for half of Americans, um, and you, one of the things I saw was T-Mobile. T-Mobile had some sort of announcement and some new deal where streaming music doesn't count towards your data cap, like Pandora, right. or Spotify. Um, I'm wondering if this is going to be in the realms of the haves and have-nots. So everybody's home internet is capped, and you have to, you know, if you want the low-end plan, you only get 50 gigs a month. If you pay the high-end plan, you get like 250 gigs a month. But it, it's um, key that if you go over, but, we'll gladly accept more money from you. It's right, just going to be very thing, expensive. What if you watch HBO? And right. HBO is on a managed lane, and they paid some extra money, and you don't get charged your data cap. It doesn't count against your data cap if you watch HBO. Because it's but a it does service. if you watch Netflix. Yeah, and that's where, and you know what? what are you, what's going to happen to the market if that situation happens? I like to live by a philosophy of, you know, kind of just whisper the, the quiet, don't let them know I'm here, just just um, not in meetings, of course. If you've ever been in a meeting with me, you know I, I, I'm not that way. But um, talking about um, what's going to happen in the future, I try not to put too many predictions out there, but this one has to be. And I don't know whether the merger or the data caps or the combination of both. I'll speak for the combination of both. That combination is dead even before arrival. There is no way in hell, and I mean, I will eat, I will print my words out and eat them if I'm wrong. <laughs> there is no way in hell the FCC will allow something like that because you're beyond 
creating a fast right. lane at that point. So well, I mean, you saw what I, I just set up. You know, if one company doesn't count towards your data cap, but the other one does, they're going to steer your dollars and your services towards the one that doesn't. And now, you know, which service are you going to pay for? You're going to pay twice for your internet because you have to do this. You're going to pay. Oh, I don't get charged when I use that service over there. So maybe I'll switch to them because they're on the fast lane or they have a managed lane. Hmm. It, it just seems like a, a bad idea. I think that's a perfect place to stop with, uh, with this, uh, topic right here because uh, you've definitely got a no vote from me on the, I mean I was somewhat willing to say alright let's put my MBA to work I kind of agree with managed lanes and I still kind of do to some degree as long as they're for audio, audio video services that are separate subscriptions and if there is no metering no capping on the, the thing known as the internet that exists outside of it I'm a little bit less inclined to be pro that because of the fact that we talked about the degradation to your local internet connection will not be improved through these managed services. It's all a B2B deal. So there that puts me at least back to neutral instead of pro managed lanes. I was I was all ready I to wear I could be the, wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's a B2B thing. I'm, I'm pretty confident of that as well. I'm, I'm pretty confident that, that what you said is absolutely right. And so I go from being somewhat pro-managed lanes of, all right, they finally appealed to me in some way. They got my business training. And we've ended up at a point where it's just almost laughable. And, and this is why I think the FCC is probably, I, I mean, look, we as a country, our internet speeds, our internet infrastructure is not number one. <laughs> that hurts. We are that hurts. Don't say it again. It hurts too much. We are starting to fall behind. Way there are other behind. countries where for, for pennies on the dollar, you get 100 gigabytes for your cell phone, you know, uh, where they're testing just massive speeds and data into people's homes and, and neighborhoods, and we don't have that here. We have it in a couple of places, but... There are still spots in the U.S. that people have to pay for satellite or, or dial-up. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I mean, a lot of them are rural areas. And, so and FCC is probably trying to address that. They've been they, trying for years, and they, they're blocked by Verizon and AT&T and Comcast and Time Warner at every single turn. And by making it uh, a Title II. Yeah, it was Title II. Yeah, now. See how quickly we forget? What was it, a month? Yeah, <laughs> this is why they keep coming back to it. They're 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 testing. It's the perimeter. It's the fence. If we keep attacking it, eventually the the people who are on the right side of this of understanding what the internet is, eventually they'll slip. They're testing the perimeter. I think it's okay. a full on attack now, don't you? Well, I think it's just they already they had a couple of contingency plans lined up. They attacked it in 2010. It got you know now. They went through the whole net neutrality thing again. They probably had backup plans already in place if they won or if they lost. So they lost. I'm so not... they had plans in place for the managed lanes. If this fails, they'll have plans in place for something else. Because that's they they want to make money off of us, and that's what they're going to do. So let me end with this: <laughs> as a business person, right? I know about running IT infrastructure somewhat. Uh, you're much more on infrastructure than I am, and I, of course, at home am a um, just a you know cable internet subscriber what is the practicality 
of suburban America, which I assume most of our listeners are probably in urban or suburban America. Um, if, if that's me, what's the practicality of saying, I want to get rid of this system for a similar price to what I'm paying, maybe even double, and I want unmetered, straight-up bandwidth. Is that feasible for urban and suburban America? Well, for one two hundred dollars a month to be metered by the through throughput and not by a cap. Well, I I bet in some ways it already is a little bit because, but I I think that that the ISPs limit things a little bit because of that whole if you had unlimited threat uh, throughput, you would hurt everyone around you. Well, we know I can buy a business line and send it into my house if I'm willing to pay enough. Right, and, and, and if you paid enough, they would run a single line from, you know, the street or whatever. Or, you know, they might have to run a new line mm-hmm. down from the local office to your business or your residence. And we're that. talking where most, you know, small mid-sized businesses couldn't even afford right. that. So just not practical yet. Right. Somebody, and, and- somebody out there is going to have to send us an email to feedback at multinewmedia.com and let us know the solution they've worked out uh, because I'd be interested to hear it. Again, I'm I'm really out of the infrastructure game. I, I used to do a little bit more with it, but nothing to the degree that uh, that would warrant any sort of expertise. <laughs> All right. Well, Chris, thanks for joining me uh, on this topic. And uh, you know what? I would love to say, hopefully... Uh, We'll talk again soon because I know we will, but I'd love also to say not about this topic. The problem is um, you and I both know better. So uh, uh, not only will I be seeing you soon about a multitude of topics, we, we unfortunately know this is probably going to be one of them. Yeah, unfortunately. All right. Uh, I, we will catch you later. All right, man. Thank you.